Can you hear me? Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and we got water gushing out of rocks over here. Barry's here to tell us how God sustains us in the wilderness. A little later, we'll chat with Amy Christie about the opening of You Can't Take It With You. But first, now that they've brought us out of Egypt only to die of thirst and dehydration, let's welcome our favorite co-host with a warped worldview, Marion and Barry. Good day, guys. <laughs> Good day. You nailed it, Tyler. Yeah. Nice. Nailed how you guys it. doing? Dying of thirst in the wilderness, and you? Something. The, the wilderness of pod land. We've only had like <laughs> one pod for the last like seven years. Is that correct? Or Yeah, man. That's how it feels. <laughs> I... Take full responsibility. <laughs> I got some pod rust I got to get off. <laughs> Shake it off. Yeah, man. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, I am... Jet lagged? Fresh back into the country. Because I went to Sydney, Australia, guys. Woo! Yay. Yeah, you did. Well, hang on. Amy. What? You're here. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. It's obligatory. Yeah, I forgot. So, forgot. It feels so good to be back. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. Uh, so... So do you want me to share about Sydney now, or can we hear about what's going on with you? You said you had lots of stories. How many are you going to tell? You're the guy who drives this uh, show. I want to hear what's new with you. I want to know what I've missed. All right. Because this pod is for Grace Church, so I want to hear what I've missed at Grace Church in the last two weeks. Wilderness. We've been in the wilderness. Yeah? We were when you left, and we're still there. We're still there. We're just circling circling the mountain now. Well, yeah. What's new with you guys? Well, I'll tell you, personally, I had a really cool weekend a couple weekends ago. I tried to just kill a lot of birds with one stone or feed a lot of birds with one scone. Either yes. way, <laughs> well, by because our, our church plant down in Bloomington had a huge moment that uh, last weekend uh, where they actually merged with another church that's down there as well. And so there was this big kind of merger service. And so I went down for that. It was really cool. Hang on. Explain, kind of explain what. That is like, yeah. did we, well, what do we do? So essentially the two congregations are becoming one. This other church has been in the area in Bloomington for many, many years. Um, they have a beautiful campus kind of out in rural. It's gorgeous, like rolling Hills, 30 acres or something like that. And they Craig nicely, our pastor at Grace Church Bloomington. Uh, and they, they began this conversation where ultimately it, they felt like God was leading them for him to join their staff as uh, as one of the pastors and for their congregations to become one at mm. this campus and so it's like a new church being birthed out of out of two which is really cool so i went down there for that service sweet uh, yeah and then cuz it's bloomington and i love going backpacking i figured well if i'm going to be down there right next to my normal spot where i love to go i might as well go over there so since monday was my, is my day off i spent sunday night uh, camping out in the wilderness by yourself, by myself, like I usually do, you know, and it was crazy. This is not part. uh, Anyway, there is, (laughs) I was walking, I I go off trail at one point, this one spot I like to go to down this sort of like ravine gully kind of thing down to the camping spot down by the lake. And as I start going down, I realize every giant tree around me was, had fallen and it was like every tree. And I was, it was creepy. I was crawling over these trees, jumping. I was like committed. I had to go down that way. 
and it turns out a, a tornado several months ago had gone right through there. It was wow. the craziest thing Whoa. I'd ever seen. So I'm trying to camp, and I did, what? needless to say, did not camp in the skeletons of an old forest Tore with all these trees. camping spot. Yeah, so I walked down the lake. I and love squirrel noises. That was and yet, so loud. Oh my word, it was so loud. Camping. Something's wrong with my headphones. <laughs> yeah, that was I could barely loud. hear it. Did you get new headphones? No. Okay. Who's messing with my stuff? Do you want to use these extra headphones no, sitting right here that aren't being used? No. That are the well, same kind that the rest of us that are loud using anymore because <laughs> it work? my ears are burning right now. Okay. Anyway, I went camping, had a great grand old time, and then I got up at like six in the morning and hiked out to my car so that I could make it down to a place called Brambleberry Permaculture Farm. <gasps> oh, that's it's your dream starting, come true. And they it's a whole nursery of just like it's just magical. They have got trees, apple trees, pear trees, cherry trees. They've got all the different kinds of shrubs. They've got blackberries and cherries and they've got all that. They've got comfrey, this like. I love comfrey. Yeah, me too. It's great stuff. And uh, I love squirrel noises. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I went down and I bought like a bunch of plants. I bought like 15 or 20 plants to begin my, my like food forest at my property. And what did you buy? Comfrey? Oh, yeah. So. What's your goal when you go to this? Is it to I, learn or to well, buy so stuff? This guy, this guy, Darren has been there. He and his, his wife, they've been living in this property for, oh man, how long did he say? Like 15, 17 years. And he, they've been building up this, this permaculture, whatever you want to call it, forest or grounds where they just have food everywhere. Just, it was, it was exactly what I dream of for mm. my spot. Like we're walking mm. around and he's like, oh, have you ever had a, a whatever? And I'm like, no. And he's like, he just picked it off the tree and gave it to me. What was it? Um, uh, Juju Bay, Juju B, Juju Bay. It's like Juju is like the candy in a box. It's that is named after the fruit, which is like a fruit from the southern. It, it like so, this guy's growing all kinds of fruit I've never heard. Yeah, 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 and normal stuff. But like, it's just the whole time we're like, I, I'd be like, oh, well, what? I bought an apple tree and I was like, what? What is this going to taste like? He's like, oh, well, they're in season. Let's see. And he walked around. and He's like, here's one. Gave me an apple straight off the tree and I'm, I ate it. I was like, this is one of the most interesting apples I've ever had. And then. You know, I'm like, oh, we're getting hazel hazelnuts. So he, I, I was like, what do these taste like? He's like, well, let's go see. And he goes, finds a hazelnut and gives it to me. And I'm just like, we're just eating <laughs> all of this. It's so cool. So, so is he, does he, how did you find this guy? Do you like, does he have an advertisement saying, I, it, I have a permaculture? A really, really long and have would not be worthwhile story. <laughs> I mean, is he Google like, who's come see my permaculture farm? You could find it if you Google it, but uh, it was through word of mouth from someone else. It doesn't matter, but someone okay. mentioned, you got to go down and check this place out. And so I did. And it was is it like by appointment only. I had to call, I had to like call ahead to, yeah, make sure that I had some time reserved, but he was so generous. Like I came down, I thought I was going to have like 30 minutes. We'd walk around, grab a couple of plants and go. Instead, I was there for like two and a half hours and he just like walked me around and we were talking about plants and talking about That's his awesome. history. They built their house out of like straw bale construction. Have you heard of that? Where they, it's a thing. It's a thing. And like it, three little pigs? House of straw. It is a house of straw, but they're that actually, sound right. they're more eco-friendly, <laughs> more eco-friendly and like fire resistant than like normal house construction. Did he build it upon the sand as well? No, it was upon the clay because <laughs> Southern Indiana. Anyway. It was so what? I'm just showing if I Googled it and Brambleberry Farms came up. There what? Is. is this there guy, is. I didn't know if it was like a guy <laughs> at his house. Amy, you or know if it's Google? a business. It, yeah. no, it, it just it ways of that both. technology yeah. series. So it's it's Darren, his wife, they have three daughters, and they just they, this is their life and this and selling the plants and like the they 
propagate other plants. Selling that is how one of the ways that they sustain themselves. But it's like just living this gotcha. incredible. And it, it's like my life in like an alternate universe. If I didn't go into ministry, I would probably want to have exactly that life. So, so you bought a bunch of plants. Yeah. How soon can you expect like to have fruit bearing things from the plants you bought? It depends. The Most of the ones I got were a little younger, so it'll probably be like three to five years before they really are start start producing. But the apple tree, it might have an apple or two next year, but it'll still be a few years. So like so, five years from now, we're walking around like Barry's homestead. Yeah. And I'll just be like, here, what you want to try eating? a hazelnut? Hey, you want to try this? You want to? They didn't have one of those. I was so oh. bummed because it was such a good fruit, but I did hey, get one Christmas called- Christmas is coming. I got this this tree called a uh, a seedless che, and it's mm-hmm. it's this weird looking knobbly fruit that it's probably the size of like a quarter, and you bite into it and it's literally like tasting a watermelon. It's like you're eating a watermelon, but there's just a little berry off a tree. Super cool. Marin, it's new with you. Nothing too big and exciting. I what? I managed to take an entire week off while you were gone. That you was did. Good. Did you go somewhere? We went to see my mom for the first couple days, and then we came back and did a hiking trip through Turkey Run, which was nice. awesome. Yep. We went with uh, Mel Boyer, the senior, uh, the pastor of this campus, um, and her kids, and then my kids and mm-hmm. Jed, and it was awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. It was really really fun. Is everybody like same level of interest in hiking? Yes and no. I think everybody like I can was, see Desi being like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm you, staying here. You would be surprised. Desi doesn't. They they experience outdoors. They experience nature very differently. Desi likes climbing stuff. She likes exploring. She likes mm-hmm. getting out there. Jaden likes taking a picture of everything that he thinks is beautiful or interesting. <laughs> yep. So he just walks maybe two or three steps, stops and takes a picture. Yeah. Takes a few more steps. Takes another picture. <laughs> but this time he was turning over tons of rocks like looking for creatures mm-hmm. which is again the opposite of how i like to experience nature yeah, i like to walk no. through it maybe climb a couple of things but i'm not looking for hidden creatures no. in the deep <laughs> but he found a couple salamanders and was wow. able to take pictures of them and even kind of hold them and then pass them around and frogs and a weird uh it looked to me like a big kind of caterpillary thing with an exoskeleton it was pretty big and Jaden's like no I think that's a larva I'm like how could that be a larva that's the biggest larva I've ever seen in my life it looked like a giant caterpillar thing looky there <laughs> precisely I feel like this is the, this is the beginning of like one of those monster movies it yeah. kind of looked like the beginning of a monster movie yeah but that's that's how he experiences nature so he he takes a picture of this thing and then when we leave the forest and he gets to some wi-fi he starts to research all the things he found and he wants to know the exact you know, species and yeah. type of creature that he found. And That's awesome. I love it because he just takes the outdoors and turns it into a giant learning experience and has a blast while he's at That's it. Fun. So it was really fun. I almost left my suitcase in Australia because a lizard crawled out of it. <gasps> I would have left it. <laughs> I, I can't imagine turning it. over rocks looking for them. No, see, and that's 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 why I can't let them go anywhere. Yeah, a lizard. Because that's like, what like a little. They call it a skink. Oh, skinks! They're adorable. It was like a little gecko-looking thing, mm-hmm. and, the, and they wouldn't let you bring it on the plane. At uh, I was on, I was closing my bag to get to the airport to come home, and as I was closing it, this little lizard crawls out of it and runs away. And, and so I'm like, thinking, nope, to, nope, I'm, nope. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah, to myself, I might just leave there. this here because yeah, a, there may be more. And if I take it, I'm going to have to get like quarantined and 
or I could bring the black plague back to America or something. And B, if I open it at home and lizards jump oh, out, no. and then that's you, not. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, hold on. And then they nest in your walls. Yeah. See, Mm-mm. here's what they actually do is they stay on your walls and they eat mosquitoes so that they don't bite you. It's, it's a win. It's a win-win. No. This was a black lizard that climbed out of my suit. It has oh, no. no business being in there. Mm-mm. There are other ways to deal with mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, Amy. What? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, you're here for a special reason. I am. You got a big weekend coming up. We do have a big weekend. What's going weekend. on? What's happening? We are opening our um, show. You can't take it with you. Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Yeah. Central Auditorium at the 146th Street campus. Uh, and you are directing it. Directing it. Yep. Uh, what, what you've been here talking about it before, but yeah. Um, what what is it? What 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 can we, what can we expect? Um, it was it's a Pulitzer Prize winning comedy that was written a long time ago, in the 1930s. But um, it's as we've gone through the show. I've done this show. This is my third time. I, I directed it once and been in it twice and now directing it again. So Wait, we've done it that many times? No, I've done it that many times. We oh, haven't. I have elsewhere. But, but we did it 16 years ago um here. Oh. So we're it is kind of a revival. Right. Uh, Grace Church revival. Um it's just it's fascinating though as <laughs> yep, yeah, one kind of it's one kind of revival. That word yeah, has sure totally is. different meaning oh, in yeah. my church. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's a set revival. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe a revival will come out of it. I don't know. Yeah. Um it's it's just amazing to me as we go through it and when listen to the story and listen to the dialogue and stuff how relevant it still is today. Hmm. The the themes of the show are very timeless and universal and when you think of what was happening in our country in the 1930s and the unrest and the um in the world and in our country it's very relevant to what what is happening around us today. Yeah. I would say we have a lot of unrest and um a lot of um dissension and tension and all sorts of things happening around us. So, um, I so, noticed. Yeah. Well, look around. Um, <laughs> so what, wh- how are we doing? Like, are we sold out? No. What do we got to do? No. And that's normal for what this is yeah. a comedy. It's not a musical. You're always going to sell out your musicals very fast. And you know, even community theater have a hard time. So tickets still available. Yep. Tickets are still available. Um, starting it opens Thursday. Yep, we'll run four performances this weekend and three next weekend. And wow. um, how's how's everybody feeling? Is it good. like we're ready for an audience? Is it panic? Are we nope. panicking? Last mm-hmm. week? Nope, we're ready. Because I remember being in Les Mis, everybody was like <laughs> through the roof. Well, that was this a, week quite the undertaking. So yeah, um, not very many churches are putting on Les Mis. So uh, not many places well, anywhere are putting on Les Mis. <laughs> right. To be honest with you, so we were, and there were a hundred. Are any churches putting on? No, but this is a cast of 22 and no orchestra. So everybody's cool. Everybody's ready to go. Yeah, I think they really are. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's and and I love that it's if you want to come and just laugh for a couple of hours, which I think a lot of people need to do. This is a great way. And again, the reason we are doing this. What do you mean again? We haven't talked about. No, I not here, but I've talked about it. Oh, yeah, at each campus. The reason we are doing this is not just to provide entertainment for grace attenders. Although yeah. we love all of our grace attenders so much. Friends of the pod, this is not for you, but buy tickets. Buy tickets and bring <laughs> your friends and yeah. specifically your friends that don't have a church home. Yeah. That are looking for somewhere to find community um, because they might come to the show and say, I really loved that and I'd like to come back for something. 
whether it's yeah. a weekend experience or maybe they would want to join a rooted group straight out of just coming with their friend to the show or come serve somewhere. Or so we're asking you, we keep tickets at $8 so you can buy a, a bunch of them and bring a bunch of people with you. Yeah. So that's, that's our goal for this. Um, and, and by the way, if that's not enough, bring your friends because this, every time we do a show, we like partner with a, yes. um, outside ministry. Right. Right. Who's that this year? Safe families. And what do they do? They, um, give temporary, uh, a temporary place to stay for kids that are in crisis. Yeah. So it's families that are willing to take kids that are, um, displaced for a period of time or it, it needing maybe moving into foster care, but not, not in the system yet. Or so, uh, or kids that's parents have had situations that they need to be removed for the, from the home for a period yeah. of time. And it's a, so it's a fabulous organization and so many different ways. So we just love giving attention mm. to those organizations. And some people yeah. will come that have never heard of safe families before. Right. So last time we partnered with them, which was years and years ago, we had several families sign up and say, I'll be a safe family. And yeah. if we got, if they were able to raise some money and get some exposure and get family signed up that have not been a part of what they're doing, that would be incredible. Yeah. How are you as a director? Like, how would your cast describe you? <laughs> I think everybody like knows you as, you know. Well, that's, you two you, were both, you and Barry were I know, both I don't, in a show. I don't want to be the voice for everybody because. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I expect a lot. Yeah. Are I you expect mean? a lot. No, but I will let them know what I want. And like I'm, you were telling me earlier today, you were like yelling last night. No, I was not yelling. I just said, you need to, <laughs> I said, you need to trust me when I tell you. To things. speed it up. Yeah. Pick up the pace. It's a comedy. People yeah. don't want to sit around and wait for the lines. They're, they, yeah. they want you to get through it. So timing is everything. Timing is comedy. everything. Well, um, I think that I think I, I'm asking because Grace has kind of built a reputation for putting on really high quality productions, yes. whether it's a musical or a play. Yeah. And, uh, I think part of it is because of your, your like overseeing it and directing it. So you, you do have high standards. I do. So, um, how many times did she make you cry in Les Mis? <laughs> Once. <laughs> because your hair looked so terrible. <laughs> I was like, are you, wait, is Tyler now doing a production of Grease? Yeah, I came back with, I came out with my hair slicked, slicked back. back. And I was like, what is happening with Tyler's hair? <laughs> and, and the funniest part was that Brian Raves had already yeah. said to you, he was in the cast and he was like, dude, your hair. I wasn't even terrible. like a, a character. I was just part of the yeah, chorus. I see everything. But I was like. This is going to look really good. <laughs> no, it looked and terrible. So I slicked my hair back. <laughs> I was like, he's totally Danny Zuko from <laughs> the musical Grease. Tell yeah, me exactly. more. <laughs> I just made eye contact with Amy at the wrong time, and she's just mouthing, Get, what yeah. is wrong yeah. with you? It's like your hair. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> but we, yeah, we've built quite the arts community yeah. at Grace, and um, that was something that, I, a vision that I, and a mission I think that God gave me years ago, and he's the one that's really seen it to fruition, and it's a joy to be a part of it and a blessing. And, um, you know, it's, I find great energy from getting to yeah. be a part of it. So, um, and the really cool thing too, is that the cast itself is made up of grace attenders and non-grace attenders, which yeah. I love because they come and experience community here. And we've had many, many people stay mm -hmm. and decide this is my church now hmm. because of being part of, of our shows. And that's mm -hmm. super cool too, to, to have them, get to be a part of us for the long haul instead yeah. of just a short period of time. So what'd you say? Tickets are $8 Yep. and you can get those on Grace's website yep. or how do you get them? Yeah. Grace's website. You can, if you want to go directly there, it's 
Oh, I'm going to say it wrong. Grace. Grace Church. Forward slash. slash. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Gracechurch.us slash theater. Depending, you can spell it like you're British or, or like you're like American. You're American. Yes. And Works you, both ways. you can no get. idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I bought my so tickets true. already. I bought my tickets. Thank you. And I went to the website and just scrolled down until I saw the play. Yeah. And then I clicked on it. Yeah, there you go. That works too. That works too. That's yeah. a perfect way to get it. So I hope people will come and see it. And it's. It's a really fun, it's a fun show. It's a crazy show and um, we're excited. Yeah, good. So yeah. two week, two weekends two in a weekends, row. Two weekends, seven performances all together. Cool. Yep. You want to stick around and crack wise on Barry's sermon? Crack wise. Sure. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, let me tell you about Sydney. Yes. <laughs> uh, before do. we do that. So as I mentioned before, if you don't know, we have a church plant in Sydney. We launched this about a year ago. We sent a staff member who had been on staff previously for like 15 years along for the ride, along with a pastor from Nairobi Chapel. So it's, there's a unique relationship there between Grace and Nairobi that has put two people from different continents on another continent or island uh, <laughs> to plant this church. Okay, so they, the church is called Earlwood, and it wasn't a new church. It had been a it had been a dying church for years. They have two congregations. One is English speaking, and the other one is is Greek. The, the Greek population there is is pretty prominent. Hmm. Um, so when they when they started, kind of they kind of entered into this church, Earlwood. Um, the English speaking congregation was nine people, and. Wow. Mostly elderly, right? Yeah, mostly elderly. Elderly. The Greek population is all elderly, and so I guess five years ago um, there was a family and a, a group of people from the Greek congregation that had been praying that God kind of restore, or revitalize the church. And all all of a sudden they hear about this relationship, and Ken come out from Nairobi and Terry are coming, and now they're in this church. Okay. So they're, they're, the English speaking congregation was nine people when they entered. Mm. And today it is a congregation. The English part is a congregation of 50. Wow. Okay. So, awesome. and, and that sounds, that sounds incredible on in and of itself. But the first day we got there in Sydney, uh, Ken picked us up and took us on a tour. Like we didn't even go to his house. He just took us on a, and by the way, between Sundays is a known commodity within this uh, church community. I'm talking oh, yeah? about. Like we are, we are international. <laughs> shout out to shout out to everybody in Sydney right now, Earlwood Baptist Church listening to to Between Sundays. But all right, so he takes us on this tour of of the community, and he's like, he shows us like three or four different churches, and he's like, that that's a church with a congregation of like five people. That church closed its doors months ago this church is a congregation of seven or nine mm. or something yeah. so he explains to us that sydney's sydney's culture uh the ch the church has been dying for 70 years it is it is not cool to be in church it's not like it's not a thing people people do not uh there i mean there's hillsong there but that's like it in terms of big churches that we would call big okay mm. so um what Ken and Terry have done over there with Earlwood is they've they've partnered with a bunch of other churches to say, we want to be a church that plants churches. And so the reason he was showing us all these dying churches is because he's pointing out churches that he will plant into with people that he is raising up. They are raising up as leaders. Not, not it, as like a hostile takeover, but because no, there's, yeah. there's hunger for... 
yeah. revitalization yeah. from this there, denomination. Yeah, there's the a denomination. There's a whole association that he that they're a part of, and like they want the church to come to life. And so this whole association has a has a dream of a thousand healthy churches in Sydney by 2050. Okay, mm-hmm. and so this is this is all part of a big big idea. And I don't know about you guys, but all I knew, and I'm on staff here, but all I knew is that we planted a church in Sydney and it's going pretty well. Like I didn't, I didn't know the ins and outs. And so that, that, that was really a, an eye opener for me. This is that like this little church of nine people growing into 50 is cool. But the cool part is that in a year from now, there's going to be two churches planted from this little church. And two years from now, there's going to be more, mm. you know, and more and more and more. And so, Barry, this kind of goes into your sermon. But sometimes I wonder, like, I'm at, I, I'm guilty of, you know, we've talked a lot about it on the show. This is not a secret, but I'm guilty of sometimes wondering, like, is God still blessing the work that we're doing at Grace Church? Mm. And I, you know, during the whole thing, uh, Regenerate a couple of years ago, I, I really wondered that. And, um, you know, we're planning a church in London and Barry, you just talked about Bloomington and Sydney. And so you start to wonder like, what is happening over there? And is God like, do we still have God's favor on all this stuff that we're doing? Mm. You go see that with your eyes and you're like, there's no doubt in my mind that God is working wow. because a, because of the 50 lives that are being changed in Earlwood Baptist church B because of what they want to accomplish in Sydney mm-hmm. and what they are accomplishing. Like, it's not just, they have a dream. Like I met two of the people that will not be at Earlwood Baptist church next year because they will be leading their own churches in that, mm. in that city. Okay. So we talk about wilderness mm. and grace church has kind of been, I feel like we've kind of felt like we're in the wilderness, so to speak. Like we've, Look, been we've been looking for direction the past couple of years. We've been, you know, we've had to go through had two, two, two staff restructures. Yeah, two restructures. Yeah. Like we're things, things can feel like we're a little bit lost sometimes. And all I needed was to go see what was happening in Sydney mm-hmm. because I saw it with my own eyes. Like God is blessing the work of Grace Church. All we thought we were doing is planning one church. A hundred years from now. Who knows mm-hmm. what yeah. the work we did in partnering with Nairobi Chapel in the 90s is going to produce. Like, And so that just kind of goes to show, uh, we'll, we'll get to your sermon, but like the water coming out of the rock. Like it feels like the past few years we've been s- kind of sifting through our own little wilderness and who knows what fruit will be produced from the work that we're doing now. Mm-hmm. But it's God is, I'm, I am convinced now more than I was like last month, more than I was years ago, that God is blessing our work, our investment, um, friends of the pod. God is blessing your generosity. He's blessing your prayers. He's blessing our prayers and look no further than Sydney. I have yet to experience London or Bloomington like you have Barry, but I am, I am 100% convinced that. God is active in the work that we are doing. That's all. Wow. So it was a good trip then. It was a great trip. <laughs> Vegemite yeah. and, a, and a reassurance of God's presence in our ministry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are the two big takeaways. And I held the baby kangaroo. Aw. The right coolest thing you about your story, I think, is that we, like you said, we intended to plant a church. Yeah. Yeah. Having no idea that what God would do with that 
is multiply that. And how cool that is on a personal level. Whatever we do in his name, we might think we're doing it, you know, to some degree, maybe a degree that we can foresee, Mm -hmm. but we have no idea what God will do with it. Yeah. That's really cool. That's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, And it even goes back to that story we talked about a little while ago, Celestin uh, Musakura, who Mm. runs Alarm in East Africa and his, his story of being sponsored by a woman you know, an elderly woman who was recycling, Mm. you know, trash in Ohio, she sponsored him to help him finish up Bible school. And that led one, one thing led to another. And now thousands of lives are being changed. And yeah, I agree. That's how God operates. He does not despise even the smallest gift, the smallest act of faithfulness. He uses it. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's, and it's so easy to look at what's in front of us right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't feel that great. But you look at the big picture and we talked about this last time we did a podcast, which is like two months ago, but we talked about this, which is like when you zoom out just a little bit, it's very encouraging the what what you can see God doing. I had never been there. Uh, I'm glad that I went. I hope to create like a little video or something that I took a ton of videos and uh, photos and stuff. So I, I, I hope to kind of encapsulate what is going on there in a in a new way. So cool. Yeah. So let's transition. Uh, Barry. Yeah. How far are we in this wilderness series? Three, three, three out of four weeks. We just finished our third week. So, and, uh, what, uh, for anyone who may have missed it, me, Mm -hmm. I caught up today, but who any, anyone who's jet lagged (laughs) possibly or have missed it. Uh, what, what would you say the big idea of this past weekend was? Sure. Uh, and, if you were here, you know that I spent the first bulk of, well, first like 10, 15 minutes of my sermon giving a little bit of an update on some strategic stuff that Grace is doing. And we can mm-hmm. talk about that. Um, essentially, we are, for the, for the next 100 days or so, I guess it's probably closer to like 80 or 90 days now, but we are pursuing a goal of trying to help 100 people without a church home find their way into Rooted which is a, quite a big step. We're not just trying to get them to attend grace. We're actually wanting a hundred people without a church home to join rooted so they can find spiritual family. So I, I talked at, at length about that goal and we're going to send out that clip. Aren't we on email yeah. or something like yeah. that? So stay tuned for that. I'll, I'll also bring it back up again this next weekend in case you missed it. So, but that I talked about that for a bit. So the sermon ended up being a little bit shorter than normal, hmm. but the big idea for the actual sermon sermon part was essentially that, God is with us in the wilderness and he transforms our wilderness. They're kind of a dual, dual big idea where he is capable of not just giving us the provision we need for right now, but he's able to actually change the situation around us. Mm. Um, I talked about the fact that the Israelites had already been provided. They've been given water, they've been given bread. And yet when they came to a point of no water again, uh, they lost their minds. They got so angry. They were, they were furious. And I talked about the fact that when that happens, when we face obstacles in the wilderness, we often have our worldview warped Mm. where we lose sight of the bigger picture. We lose sight of where we've been, how God has come through for us in the past. And we lose sight of the future. We lose sight of the promises of God and where he is the promised land that he is taking us to. And all we can see is the obstacle in front of us. And that's what happened to the Israelites. And it's what happens to us over and over again. And I, I told my, some of my story of, um, Uh, you know, a kind of wilderness that I was facing and how even after God had done something incredible and just transformed my life, he'd split the sea for me in a sense. uh, I reached a point in my journey where I didn't see the future. I didn't see what was coming next. I didn't see a path forward. And immediately 
my worldview was warped and I shook my fist at God and said, why would you bring me out here just to fall on my face? Yeah. Um, it's literally part of my story. And of course the route that he decided to take me from that point was not something that I ever could have seen coming, but he ended up break, breaking open a rock and giving me water, transforming the wilderness and, mm-hmm. and reminding me that he had never left me. Not even once he was with me that entire time. He just had better plans than the ones that I thought I was going to try to work out. Hmm. So anyway, I, I essentially ended the sermon with an acknowledgement that I don't know why God doesn't just snap his fingers and end the wilderness entirely. But I do know that while we are in the wilderness, sometimes he will give us a drink of cool water from a bitter pond. Sometimes he will provide bread for us out of thin air. And sometimes he will, he will break open a rock and give us water where there was none before. But regardless, he will see us through. That was kind of where I went with it. So you talked, you mentioned the warped worldview. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? And maybe you gave your own example of how you personally yeah. had a warped worldview, but how does, how does that, how does a warped worldview kind of manifest itself today uh, with, with, within the church or within Christians here? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll just say in the story, the way that it plays out is that the moment that they don't have water, they start pointing the finger at Moses and saying, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Yes. Like you brought us out here to die, didn't you? Where, the one chapter before they have this whole conversation where Moses says, you're going to know when you get manna from heaven, you're going to know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Mm -hmm. Egypt. Your complaints are against him, not against us. Mm -hmm. We didn't, we didn't do this. The Lord, And by the way, Egypt was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I did bring that up because it's, that's something I, we, we tend to forget. Like they start like longing for the good old days. And I was like, yeah, the good old days when they were enslaved and like being oppressed and having their firstborn sons murdered like Mm, for 400 years. Yeah. It's like, okay. That's not really the good old things. Anyway, all that to say that in their case, the perspective, the worldview warpage came from them determining that it was Moses who was at fault for putting them in this position when in fact it was God himself Mm. who had brought them to that Mm -hmm. place. Um, So would it have been better for them to be pointing the finger at God? Because your example with yourself was you were mad. Or you were blaming, not blaming, but you were like, why did you bring me here, God? Like, yeah. what, after it, for all, all everything I've been brought through, for what? Like, right. would it have been better for the Israelites to be blaming God? Or, um, like, what, what was Moses wanting them to do? Stop complaining or just complain to someone else? Well, so, yeah, this is, this gets into some interesting territory. Because I think, theologically speaking, I think the truth is God provides for them all these every single time, even though they continue to, to doubt, continue to have all this. And so uh, in one sense, it's not so much about whether or not God will come through for you. It's about how will you experience that provision out of a place of bitterness or out of a place of like gratitude and expectation. Hmm. Had I, in that season of my life, approached the obstacle of not finding a job, if I had and approach that with complete just confidence that, well, it's going to be fine because God will come through for me. He has in the past and he will continue. He still would have provided for me. He still would have made a way, but I would have gone through that as a just happier, healthier person. And yeah. I would have, and I would have been able to celebrate God's faithfulness just as I expected. Hmm. And instead I had to have my, you know, hand slapped a little bit by my own realization that I had completely 
put the blame where it didn't belong. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. So, but the, here's what gets tricky theologically is that if you, if you read the story further after Mount Sinai, after they get to the promised land, they almost seem to doubt God one too many times and they end up having to suffer by staying in the wilderness for another 40 years. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what to do with that. If we're just trying to overlay their story onto our story, that's when it gets pretty complicated. Yeah. Because if you, if you just say it's a one-to-one correspondence, then perhaps there is a limit to this, but I'm not getting into that right now (laughs) because I have not done enough study or thought about that, but I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Well, the story I, I just told about Sydney, like I think, I feel like it's a turning point personally for me in how I have viewed the wilderness, so to speak, of Grace Church. Like, I am grateful that God has brought us to this point in a way that I hadn't thought about before because he showed me that he's been faithful all along Yeah, hmm. in Sydney. Like, does that make sense? Like, uh, the Israelites, I don't know if they were supposed to either stop complaining and just be grateful or if they were just to turn their complaints to God. But what I did, what I have started to do is turn, um, my, my doubts into almost like a gratitude that God has brought us here because he's showed me what he's been doing all along. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. So rather than saying, how are we ever going to make it another step? You're saying, look how far God's brought us. Yeah. It's just a complete shift in which direction you're looking or how, how you're, perceiving the current status. So then I guess the question becomes, how do you remember that when you need it? Just go to Sydney. Yeah. (laughs) Just go to Sydney. Get on that 16 hour plane flight. and Well, because the Israelites built monuments. Yeah. But it wasn't enough to keep them from complaining a few chapters later. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I guess I'm asking that because I'm definitely finding myself in that place right now personally. It is a wilderness time. If I do say so myself. Um, And how do I do that? How do I, um, Barry, like you said, align my worldview? Been praying that God would just like, like I talked about the last time we did this pod, like two months ago, um, that just like a chiropractic alignment, that he would align my theology, Mm. my worldview to what is right. And maybe I've been bent. Maybe I've, Mm. maybe I have perceived it wrong. Or today I was praying through the sanctuary at the Fisher's campus. And I was like, God, I was reading Psalm 91. I am so good with like the first two verses of this chapter. Mm -hmm. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. Yes, Lord. (laughs) I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I got you. I can follow new King James that, again. I think my so been, loud. No, so loud. Yeah, that was really loud. Here's where it takes a sharp turn for me. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you're not into that one. I mean, how do I follow him right. there? Yeah. I mean, yeah. my mom is dying of a deadly disease. So yeah. I'm like, did I miss something? Is this just Hebrew meditation poetry here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? What did I miss? And I got to the point where I felt like, Lord, I just don't know anything about the Bible at all. Mm. And so I'm asking for a realignment. I know that he's faithful. I know that he's true. I know that he's good. I know that he is patient with our complaints. It's almost like when they were in the wilderness and they were complaining, 
did he provide for them because they complained or had they just held on a little bit longer and shown some faith and gratitude, right. yeah. would he have provided for them in a different way? Mm-hmm. Would they, like Barry said, have just been healthier through that trial? Had they not shaken their fists at Moses mm-hmm. slash God, you know, just what? Sometimes I get to this place right now in this wilderness where I'm just like, man, my dad lost his job. My mom is dying. Like, yeah. am I missing something? What am I not understanding? Um, but you wrapped up your sermon by saying you can trust in his love and you can trust that he's with you, that God stood with the people as he brought water out of the rock. Yeah. And so that brought some hope and some clarity to me in this time of wilderness. I was with my mom last Tuesday. That's why we didn't do the pod last Tuesday. And uh, my dad was out of the house um, looking for work. He's just been picking up side jobs here and there to just try to get something. And my mom fell for the first time. And I guess in my, in my anger and despair, I'm like, why did you let her fall? Like, don't you walk with us? Like, did you just stand there and watch her fall? Why did you let her fall? And then what I felt the spirit speak to me was she wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. Like when she fell, it was a mercy that Jed was there to help her up when she fell. It was a mercy that I was there. God knew my dad was going to be out of the house, you know, Mm. for that, that time. And so, yeah, he lets us wander in the wilderness. He lets us feel thirsty. He lets us feel hungry. But like you said, he'll give you a cool drink of water that comes from a bitter pool that's been miraculously transformed, you know? So along with remembering his, his faithfulness through the years, I'm having to also recognize his gifts and his mercies in these moments. Yeah. If that makes sense. And I, I try to bring this up like a lot. I bring it up almost every week. I've brought it up both times I've preached in this series, but the truth is there is a, there is a meta story, a bigger story of God transforming all the wilderness and ultimately bringing life out of death. And there's this sense that I have, which I don't understand, and it doesn't help the now at all, but it's the, it, the at least the emotions of, of the struggles now, but this sense of God just saying, trust me, my child, like I'm making all things new. I will bring mm-hmm. healing to every disease. I will bring life to every, in every death. Like that to me is something to hold on to. And it's a, it's a, I don't know that it's baked into our everyday conversation of following Christ. But Mm -hmm. I think the early church understood it. They were much more eschatological than Mm -hmm. we are. Mm -hmm. They were much more focused on what was coming. I think we tend to look at what, what is now. And as a result, we have, I think a limited worldview where we don't, we're not thinking about the promised land because all we're thinking is about how thirsty we are. Mm. But, but I say that as if it's like, well, just start thinking about the promise. It doesn't, I don't know that it works that way. I think this is part of the probably part of the reason why we need community so that those who are have their thirst quenched are able to offer some level of comfort to those who who are thirsty but i don't know guys this is the this is the 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 real struggle i just ultimately i think god would say like i hate i hate the pain too hmm. i and, i oh. i turned a corner in that prayer time in the sanctuary today um 
maybe not even in the sanctuary. I don't think it, it didn't quite hit me this way until I got almost to this building to do this podcast. But like you were talking about Tyler, about, um, gratefulness and, and almost turning your, your doubts into praise. Mm -hmm. I woke up with a praise song in my head that my dad wrote a couple months ago. Mm. I haven't listened to it. I don't know why this is Mm. the song that was in my head when I opened my eyes, but it was about, um, giants falling when we lift our praises. And I felt like there's probably no other reason than God was telling me as I started this day, you have, you have to praise. Like I, I cried three times yesterday. My first meeting of the day started with, so how was your fall break? And I just cried. I'm a mess. (sighs) And I feel like the first thing I heard was you got to praise. It's, it's going to feel very, um, anti what you're supposed to do. It's going to go against every fiber, but you got to praise. And so I, I did that intentionally. And by the end of it, what I was saying was, okay, God, I can't wait to see how you bring my parents through this. I know that you're faithful and I can look at your track record in my life and in their lives and in the lives of my grandmother and, and, and my friends and people I know that have followed him. And I, I can see in their stories through the tragedy, a light that shines. And so right now in like the middle of this dark tunnel, I just have to praise and I, I look to the end and say, I can't wait mm-hmm. until it becomes clear in hindsight. Some of it will, I know not all of it will, but some of it will, will take shape and I'll be able to say, oh wow, I couldn't see that then, yeah. but mm. this is how you brought them through. Yeah, it. I'm so right there with you right now because I, I, I would say maybe right now as I just celebrated my 49th birthday, and I'm going to move to, I've got one more year left in my forties. Um, this has been one of the most difficult times of my life. Mm. And I've said multiple times in the last couple of months, I would like to go back 10 years. I I would like to have my life back Mm. 10 years ago. So I was super convicted Mm. this weekend when the Israelites kept saying, we want to go back. Mm. We want to go back. And I thought that's what you've been saying for two months and you can't go back. And what's, what's God trying to teach you right now? And I, I cry all the time right now, <laughs> like daily. I cry sometimes multiple times a day. My parents are going through just really, really hard stuff. My mom's got terrible dementia and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And my dad's physically deteriorating. And, and it was interesting because I've been telling my dad, he needs to try and look at the good things because I can see, I look at his life and I'm like, I can see why you might want to just sit down and wait to die. Like I can see that, especially when you know where you're going, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Yeah. And then I, it hit me after I'd taken him to the doctor and we'd been there for hours and it was just not great. And um, he was really crabby there and I had, was trying to encourage him and we were driving away and I was like, you're him, you know, you're him. You are not looking, you're not trying to see anything good that's happening around you. You're, you, wait, who's, I am, I am, I am my, my dad. I'm acting yeah. exactly like I was telling my dad to, you know, look at the good look and then oh, I drove yeah. away and I was like, but you're acting just like, oh, him. Yeah. yeah. so take a piece of your own advice. And I, I, I have a ton of faith. I really do. Like I score super high on the spiritual gifts, you know, in faith <laughs> and, and I do, I can look back. Part of what has been hard for me though, is that I, when I look back, he has been there every step of the way. He has guided my steps in such clear, 
concise, like specific ways that I feel like I'm wandering right now. Mm. And I'm not, I don't know exactly what he wants from me and I'm not used to that. So it scares me and it makes me sad. And, um, but I know he's been there before. So I, I know in my head, I know in my head that he can, that he will, I know he will, but it, it doesn't mean that it's not going to be super hard in the middle of it. Even when you can look to, toward the future and say, I trust that you're going to do it because, because I've seen you do it before. It's still, it's still really hard when you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm trying to find the, the gushing water. The, I'm trying to look for that. And, and I, I think when you're bitter, I don't know that you can have eyes to even see it. Mm-hmm. When, when you're bitter, I don't know that, that you can see it. Mm. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to navigate it too and figure out, and it's just a very, it's very um, rare that I feel like this. So it's Mm -hmm. been very hard for me to, to feel like this and I don't like it and I want to make it stop, but I've got to also probably live in it and figure out what I'm supposed to what I'm supposed to learn from it and, and how it's going to make me better of it. You know, when I, when I'm on the other side, eventually, whenever that is. Yeah. And something you said, Barry, you said, God gives us water when we are thirsty and will sustain us in the wilderness, but it's not on our timeline. It may not be on our timeline. And that got me thinking like, will I, would I have this same posture if I knew I wasn't going to see if I knew I wasn't going to get the water (laughs) you know because there were some of those Israelites who like they never got to see the promised land Mm -hmm. they died right but like you said Barry you keep zooming out zooming out zooming out eventually Jesus comes and like that's where the water that's where the ultimate water yeah came Uh, but some of these Israelites never saw the promised land there are things in my life where i'm like would i actually have all of them except for moses and Aaron yeah okay and joshua <laughs> yeah do you know what i'm asking i, I think i know what you, you're saying from a more a little bit larger than just a personal crisis right. you're saying as far as the path that i'm going is is it possible that the the god coming through for me might not actually be for me but it might be for those who follow after me kind yeah, of yeah yeah like Marin, with your situation mm-hmm. like I've heard you ask this question. Would I have, am I, am I having faith that he will do what I want him to do? Or am I having faith that he will just do what he wants to do? Even if I don't get to experience it. Yeah. That's part of that alignment I'm talking about. Yeah. Like when I say that he's good, does that mean he will rescue me from all my problems the way that I want him to? Right. Or does it mean I trust that he has something else in mind? And even if it is not what I had in mind. Right can I still say that he's worthy and can I still trust him with my life? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if, I hope I'm not taking a rabbit trail or a weird turn, but Amy, when you said, um, if you're bitter, you can't see it. I feel like I have, I have found myself at times in that place where I'm like, Oh no, I'm bitter. Me too. <laughs> me too. And you yeah. thought Marin's bitter? Yes. No. yes. Me oh. too. <laughs> me too. Um, I'm encouraged I'm by a story, you know, the story from a few weeks ago where they, um, where Moses threw the piece of wood into the water. To me, that says that that bitter water can be healed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it was a story of provision 
but it was a story of taking something bitter and making it right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm even praying for that in this Mm -hmm. season where, where I am grumbling or where I am um, just starting to kind of feel the, the wear on my spirit, take me to a less than savory place. (laughs) Hmm. I can be healed of that too. I can be healed of that too. He doesn't just, shake his fist at me and say, you're bitter. Mm-hmm. He can heal me of right. that too. So that just be encouraged. If you find yourself in a place where you are feeling that bitterness, you don't have to work your way out of no. bitterness. Right. Like he mm-hmm. can, he can bring healing to that. I did say today, either this weekend I was hosting at Fisher's campus and um, I've been trying to reiterate this to my older two kids who are in college and the spiritual community aspect is so important to have people around you, you know, as you're going through the desert that are encouraging you and and being examples to you and, and sharing their story of getting through the desert. Or, And I've just been trying to tell my kids that, that when you enter into that space with those people, even just, just an hour and 15 minute worship service every week, it does something for your soul. And it, it helps you at least for an hour and 15 minutes, maybe to to have it lifted for that period of time. And it, it changes you. If you allow it to, it can change you. And so I, I can't imagine not wanting to encounter that every single week. Mm-hmm. Like not, I can't imagine yeah. missing a weekend because especially if you're not involved in a small group or something like that, like where do you get that soul, um, realignment maybe or where do you get that if you're not putting yourself in a place to receive it and Mm -hmm. I would especially in times like this I don't my word I can't wait to get here just to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit with a community of people that may not even know they're lifting me up in that moment but they are Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. so I just it's it's good to be there Barry you talked about your own story um yeah And I think it's important to remind friends of the pod and ourselves, like it's important to not quit. I mean, that sounds vanilla, but to you coming out of the, in your own context and story, Barry coming out of the wilderness could have equaled finding a job. Right. Uh, And if you had quit at that point, like I found a job, I'm doing like, pharmaceutical sales or whatever, right, right. or I'm working at a church doing whatever, right. youth ministry or something, uh, that to you would have equaled coming out of the wilderness, but right. God had way bigger plans for you. Yeah. So if you had quit then and you had just like moved on or stopped paying attention to what God has for you, maybe it would have ended there. Yeah. Then you launch world next door. Right. Because I, yeah, the whole story really quickly was that I, I had gone to Kenya for a year, got used that to just bring me out of the darkest season of my life. And then I interned at Grace and then I couldn't get a job. Oh, I went back to school, interned yeah. at Grace and I couldn't get a job. And I was applying to nonprofits. I even, I didn't mention this in the sermon, but I even did like this awkward, long, three day long interview at this church in Baltimore. It was very, it was a very close thing that I almost got hired for this church in Baltimore, but it was abundantly clear to them that I was passionate about injustice and not passionate about leadership development, which was at the time, which was the, that was the job that I was supposed to be hired for. Mm. So because I wouldn't stop talking about (laughs) justice and my passion for caring for the poor and marginalized in the world, they said, sorry, we don't think you're the right person for this job. 
Thank wow. God for yeah. that. So what? So if you had given up or stopped paying attention at any point, yeah. like you and and there was an alternate reality where you had found a job, like to you, you would have come out of the wilderness, right? But God has way bigger plans for you, right? But that wasn't the promised land that He had in mind, yeah. right? Yeah. And I thought about as I was watching the sermon, I thought, I mean, I'm fr- I, we just talked about Sydney, mm. like. Mm. We plan a church. All right, moving on. But if we stop paying attention, we we wouldn't have realized like God is doing something way bigger yeah. than Earlwood Baptist Church in mm-hmm. Sydney. Twenty years ago, if we had met the folks over at Nairobi Chapel, and we just would have been like, "Oh, that's great. See you later. Yeah, see you yeah. guys. Like, hopefully, we'll send some mission trips over. You guys could send some mission trips over, whatever. Like, we're good." We would have, to us, that would be that would be a big win. But if we had given up, like, we would have missed the big picture of what God wanted to do through this relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important, like, if you find yourself in the wilderness to just not give up trying to figure out what God's trying to do. Because as soon as you give up or as soon as you think, this is it, this is why he's brought me here. Like, chances are he might, he might have something even bigger and better and right for you here's it it comes back to the prayer that jesus taught his disciples to pray there's so many like i don't i should bring this up this is a i should bring this up in my next sermon because it's so fitting it has so many ties to the wilderness it is give us this day our what daily bread that's a reference to manna feed me <laughs> yeah and it's it's god your kingdom come and your will be done mm-hmm. in other words we're saying i trust that you know what's best period mm-hmm. like yeah that that's what we're, the trust that we're talking about here. Yeah. Anyway, I should bring that up. You should. I pastor. should bring it up. If Jesus taught it, it's got to be good. It's got to be good. <laughs> Can I tell you guys the? This is sorry. I have to. It's the coolest fun fact. If you didn't see the app notes, I found out that there was by the time of Paul, there was a Jewish tradition. It's not in scripture, but they believed that that the rock that got broken open, that the water that came out of it, that that rock then went with the Israelites through the rest of the wilderness. So they had bread from heaven and they had this like movable well that followed them around in the wilderness. Hmm. And Paul- Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. It's true. <laughs> so that was it. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 verse four, he references that and he he's talking about how they were so stubborn and bitter and didn't believe God. But he, he calls that rock. He said that rock was Christ. And he's using this analogy to this Jewish mm-hmm. like thing, and he's basically saying that Christ is going has is going through the wilderness with us, and He is the source of our water, mm. living like, water. Yeah, living water. There's so many parallels. I'm telling you guys, the Bible yeah. is so cool. <laughs> living water. Anyway, amen to that. Amen to that. All right. So, uh, Barry, I sorry. Oh, I thought the coolest part about your story, since we were just talking about your personal story and going to Kenya and yeah. then going to India. And yeah. My favorite part was when you said, and you know what he said? You know what God said? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. But he did something. Yeah. We've been singing a song um, called Waymaker. I, I'm not sure if it's at all three campuses, but I know um, it's at least at two of them. And there's a line in there that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Mm-hmm. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. Yeah. You never stop working. And that that was so encouraging to me that, you know, sometimes he will speak. I feel like God speaks to me all the time. Sometimes it's not when I want him to speak. Sometimes I'm so bitter. I can't hear anything but my own pain. Yeah. 
And sometimes he doesn't speak, but he's always moving and he's always doing. And so while Tyler is saying to not quit in the wilderness, absolutely. I I'm telling myself not to quit. Don't, don't quit now. He is moving and he is Mm -hmm. doing something. And I won't know until I get that bird's eye view of, Oh, look what he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in the middle of the wilderness, he's, he's still at work. He never stops working. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. So Barry, where we, where do we head next? What are we doing? So this is nice. The next week, the Israelites actually, at least this in the story, they, they do okay. They actually trust God and it's symbolic because it's Moses. Believe God. <laughs> Moses <laughs> holding his arms up with the staff while the Israelites fight the Amalekites and they win because that staff, which symbolizes trust in God's provision, Moses raises that over the people and they are able to win their battle. Spoiler alert. So, well, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, he got by with a little help from his, from his friends. friends. That's the spoiler alert, because that's actually what this message is all going to be about. Is uh, This is the last week of the series? Last week of the series. And all then, right. I don't know, narratively speaking, whether we're really going to go there as much, but in February of 2020, we are going to revisit what happens next when God gives them the law. And I'm going to talk all Ooh. about the law and the Torah, and hopefully we will see a lot of parallels to what happened in this story. And I think it's going to be really cool. Really That's cool fun. Story. Can it we is do fun. like a dramatic reading of like the lineage passages? <laughs> oh my God. I like, cannot we'll wait. King James. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Olaf begat the yeah. yes. Melchizedek begat. Oh. Yeah. I think that sounds really good. <laughs> Compelling. Oh Yeah. Amy, what? Thanks for coming in. Thanks. For How come every me. time I say that you're just like, what? I don't know. It's just kind of a relationship, simmering, simmering animosity. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, thanks for coming in. No, it was fun. Break a leg. I always love it. Thank you. Well, you're not doing anything. I'm not doing anything, but I'll tell the cast that you said. Break that. a leg. Yep. Um, not literally, like last year. Yeah, that was but. rough. Yeah. So I mean, it's not too soon anymore to make yeah, that joke. To me, to <laughs> me, it still feels forever. too soon. Yeah. Forever and ever. Forever too soon. Uh, but yeah, best of luck. Thanks. Can't wait to see it. It's gonna be fun. Again, if you need your tickets, go to get them on our website, gracechurch.us forward slash. Or show up. <laughs> you can you can show up. Quit making oh, so fun of my. You yeah, can get you tickets can t- at the door. Tickets at the door. Sure. Hey y'all. Absolutely. Tickets at the door. You might Watch not be the able door. to sit together. Volunteers but... won't be ready for this, but Amy's like signed them up. Right. It's going to be a mad rush. They're <laughs> yeah. not even going to know what to do with themselves. Yeah. I bought my tickets ahead of time because Thank I bought you. six of them and I wanted us all to all be in together. the same row. I love it. So Great. I mean, if there's like two of you, yeah, show up at the door. Yeah. Sure. All right. Yeah. Can't wait. We'll see that, and then we'll do a we'll we'll do a, a review. Next, Great. Next between Sundays, we'll Perfect. review the show. I love it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Marin, say nice stuff. Between now and then, uh, will you please send us out? I will. I will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday.